change it up a little bit this morning regarding receiving uh, the tithes and offerings uh, this morning is because it really fits into what I'm going to be sharing and talking about. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna worship in our giving this morning as we should always worship in our giving. Um, you know, the Bible does talk about tithes and offerings. It talks about giving, generosity, and all that kind of stuff. And um, I just want to say this. Uh, it's not just an Old Testament principle. Like, I feel like, you know, we haven't done a lot of teaching on, on um, finances here at Catch the Fire Winnipeg. We've talked about generosity and that sort of thing. But so many, so many people ask me the question, you know, well, should I tithe? How do I tithe? What is that, like, tithe? Well, it's a tenth, right? Now, if we were to get really, really by the letter of the law back in the Old Testament when you talk about tithing and whatnot, there were actually three tithes that they had, so it was more like 30%. And then there was stuff on top of that. But for me, tithing is an entry-level platform into kingdom finance. It's like entry-level. And then we can get into things from there. But it does say in Malachi, it talks about the Lord's tithe. And what, what tithing does and what offerings do and what giving does is it helps us recognize and realize. Remember I said the breakthrough needs to happen between our two ears. It makes us realize that it's not that God needs our money. It, it's that God is calling us to a place where we would say, Lord, this is yours, and I give it to you. It's not about I'm not giving it to a person or a ministry or a church, although we know that God uses the church, God uses ministries, but I'm giving it to you. And so in this expression here, if this is your home, your, your family here, the, the local storehouse being the church. And so, but some people think that this mindset that it's still mine, you know. But I want to just encourage you if, you, if you, if you're not a tither yet, I want to encourage you to be a tither, okay, first of all. That's like entry level. But over and above, and there's no condemnation. This is not a condom, condemning, you know, issue or anything like that. But I will, I'll tell you this straight up from the, from the get-go. Um, you can tithe your way out of financial problems. That went over really, really well, yeah. Um, anyway, but uh, so, so when, we, when we do this exchange, we, we, we give and we say, I'm recognizing, acknowledging that, Lord, you're the, you're the Lord of my life. And I trust you with everything. So the tithe is kind of entry level or whatever. But I'm excited. I don't know if you have this kind of goal, but Mel and I have talked about this lots. We're excited when we get to the day where we can be to the point where it's like 90% is going in the bucket or going into the ministry, whatever, and 10% is whatever. But that's even kind of the bar's low. Like, wouldn't it, think about, just think about it. Like, just think about it, how beautiful it would be if you could engage in God and just be a, just an outflow blessing to so many people, you know? I don't know if you've thought of this before, but how many have thought about giving houses away before? Anybody? Yeah? Come on. Cars away. Giving cars away. We've, been, we've given cars away. We've got cars given, we've, you know, and that sort of thing. But my point is, it's this heart attitude of everything is yours. When I release it to you, I mean, it's, it's yours anyway. I'm just giving it back to you. I'm returning. The, that's why it says returning the tithe, because it was his in the first place, right? We have our offerings and then alms. Alms is a whole other thing, you know. When you give to the poor, it says you're lending to God. Wow. It's kind of cool. Anyway, we've been in this series on, um, on covenant. I've been talking a bit about covenant. The purpose of the series, though, wasn't to talk just about covenant. The purpose of the series was to get us into and have a mindset of God's promises for our lives. Okay? So a few weeks ago, I, I, I was speaking about this. And I talked about the steps to covenant and how, you know, the story, Abraham gets this promise that is so crazy and so huge and so big, he can't fathom it. He can't believe it. It's like, this is, well, this is unbelievable. And, uh, and God says to him, he, and, or Abraham says to God, he says, so how will I know that what you say is going to happen will happen? Even though Abraham was a pagan man, he was a moon worshiper, he wasn't in relationship with God at that point. God said to him, he said, I'm going I'm to, I'll, I'll enter into covenant with you. I'll make a covenant with you. Because he understood covenant. It was a custom of his day. People would enter into covenant with one another. 
you know the story. I'm not going to, you know, beat this thing to death. But if you, ha- if you weren't here, you should check it out online and listen to the messages. I think there's two or, two or maybe three, two there. But the purpose of the message was, how can, I, how can I enter into and receive the promises from God? And you can't even think about entering into receiving the promises of God until you understand co- a little bit about covenant. Because he made a covenant with us. And so... There was all this, there were processes to the, there were steps to the covenant. And in those steps, we talked about how there'd be a discussion period. And they would, the two parties would meet with one another and they discuss, here's what I'm going to offer to you and here's what you offer to me. And they, they, they discuss this, they discuss this. And in that discussion process, they come up with vows and they make vows to one another. They do all kinds of things. They do, there's an exchange of weaponry where they would exchange weapons. And I shared that story about, even years later, um, when uh, I think it was David Livingston went into Africa to do some missions work, and he, he, he wasn't heard from, and so people were concerned, so they sent out some people to check on him. And he went, they went down into Africa, and they came across uh, tribes that were, um, you know, cannibalistic. And so they were a little bit frightened for their lives. And the one guy that was with the other guy said, why don't we enter into covenant with this tribe so that, so that we have a relationship We'll bless them, they'll bless us, and there'll be peace there. You know, let's, let's, let's reconcile, let's connect, let's relate. And so they did that very thing, and the chief gives him his, his spear, and the, the, the guy that was looking for, Campbell was his name, I believe, was looking for David Livingston. He's like, what am I going to do with this spear? Whatever, I'll take the spear. And as they carried on through different tribes in Africa, they came into a tribe and they were, th- they were ready to, uh, to eat these white people. And they saw, when he, when he pulled out this spear and just stood there with the spear, everybody in the tribe bowed down and honored them. And they thought, what in the world's going on? Because they recognized, they understood covenant. And when they saw that spear, they knew that was the spear from the tribe of great warriors. And so if they were going to mess with them, because he had the spear, they knew they were in covenant together. So if he's going to mess with him, they're going to mess with that entire tribe, Right? So, so it, it, that would happen, though. They do an exchange of weaponry. Isn't that beautiful? You know, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God through the, for the overthrowing of strongholds. So there's an exchange of weaponry that we have with, when we enter into covenant with God. And we kind of talked about the old covenant, but the new covenant is what I really want to focus on this morning. The new covenant is so amazing. Because in old covenant terms... There was a list of duties, and I will do this. These vows were made. You need to do this, do this, do this, do this. If you don't do that, then you're going to break off covenant. That's not going to, you know, you're going to be out of the covenant agreement. And so, therefore, you're fair game. We're no, we're, we're, there's going to be an issue. We're going to have an issue. But in the new covenant, Jesus said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Remember me. As often as you drink this, and Paul picks it up then later in Corinthians, but he says there's a new covenant in my blood. And it's not, as, it's not about you have to do all these things, but it's actually I will do all these things. I'm going to fulfill both parts of the covenant agreement. That's what he said. Remember we talked about this. Jesus came as the son of man and as the son of God. He was fully man. He was fully God. Representing both parties of the covenant. So he died... On the cross, he died our death. He died my death. So my death was in him on the cross. My burial was with him in the tomb. And my resurrection was with him as he resurrected. That's why, that's why Paul said, you are, I am, we are seated with Christ in the heavenly realm. And yet, we go through life, and we're so moved by the scene, we're so moved by it, like problems and situations and challenges, that this breakthrough that needs to come right here, we need to start living. That's why, that's why Paul also talked about having our minds renewed, and also by the washing of the word, by, by the washing. Well, who was the word? We sang about it this morning. In the beginning. You were the word in the beginning, you know? And so, and there's also the written word. That's great too. But, but the point is, we can have our minds renewed and, our, and washed so that we can live in the revelation, experiential knowledge of where we really are, what we're really doing, the victory that we're in, okay? And so, in this 
covenant process, so there was another step of covenant, and there was an exchange of wealth. And it was just this exchange of wealth where you would take something that was very valuable to you and you'd give it to the person you're entering into covenant with. And then they would re in return do the same back to you. And um, it's like that too. And, and that's why I, I held off on receiving, uh, receiving the tithes and offerings this morning because I wanted to weave it into the message and the, the, the message of covenant. Tithing and offerings and giving and all that kind of stuff is an expression of covenant. It's just one of the things, Okay. And um, you're not buying something, you're not trying to, but you're recognizing and acknowledging, I'm in this union covenant with you, God, and I'm just, all I have is yours, and this is just a demonstration of it. And so this morning, we'll, we're going to receive, we'll receive the tithes and offerings later on when we actually experience communion together. We're going to do it at the same time. It's going to be like an experiential uh, time together. So couple things, though, we're going to, we'll, we'll, we'll break a few things down. Um, I just want to throw out a few little, a few things to maybe shake your, your um, mindsets to kind of get that breakthrough in our mind that we're, that we're believing for. You've heard me talk about it probably a month ago. I talked about uh, the joy of his salvation. I talked about um, it's his joy that is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And we were talking about how I'm not sure that everyone, every, every person that calls himself a Christian, I'm not sure that the world would want the God that they serve. Because for whatever reason, many Christians are known as grumblers, hag and drag, doom and gloom, all, all like just negative people, you know? Christians should be the most positive people on the face of the earth. Christians should be the most joy-filled people on the face of the earth. When people bump into me, when people offend me, when people do something to me or to you, they shouldn't, the, 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 the outflow of your heart, your mouth will speak. Out of the overflow, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what's coming up out of that thing? What, what are you saying? What are you speaking out? Uh, this last week, I'm driving down Bishop Grandin, and as I'm driving along, I'm in my truck. Earlier that day, I had this thought. I had my hitch on the back, like my, in my truck, you know? And I had this thought, well, I should take the hitch off. I'm not towing anything right now. And then I'm like, oh, I got to run. I got to go. So I just left the hitch on the back, whatever. Cruising along down Bishop Grandin. I say cruising along, very slowly crawling along because traffic was really bad. It was the end of the day. I'm crawling along, and I'm talking to Mel on the phone. Bluetooth, of course. <laughs> Hands-free. So anyway, so yeah, so I'm talking there. I'm talking to Mel on the phone, and traffic's kind of cruising along very, very slowly, and we're just kind of rolling. It's at, I think it was a St. Anne's or whatever. The light goes red, and everyone's slowing down. And so I just kind of roll up, slow down, and all of a sudden, boom, I get hit from behind. And I'm like, hon, I just got rear-ended. I'll call you later. Click. And um, I went out to the guy. It was a young guy. And um, my first thought my first thought was, are you kidding me? Like, and this is true, true, true before the Lord. I'm all, we're always before the Lord, you know. But before God, I'm telling you, I wasn't like angry or all upset or anything. Like, I'm, I'm just like, in my head, I'm thinking, the hitch is still on. So I go back and I look at, I look at the thing. There's not a mark on my truck. I look at his bumper. There's a big hole in his bumper because my hitch was on. So he hit my hitch, never touched my truck, you see. But I went in, I went and I said, hey, what's going on? How's it going? And he said, uh, oh, yeah, he, had, he was kind of on this little ranch or whatever. And some neighbors that were nearby right beside me, two of them said, we saw the whole thing. Here's, get our information. Here's our information. If you need to, you know, have a witness, what happened, blah, blah, blah. And then the one guy yelled some profanities and said, ask him why he was tailgating you. I didn't know this. I was just talking to my wife driving down the road. But apparently he was riding my bumper and I don't know, he had a bad day, whatever. Long story short, in that moment in time, I thought to myself, like, like you know, we, we talk about living in the kingdom, and we talk, about, um, we talk about staying in step with Holy Spirit and that sort of thing. But in the moments of life, when stuff is happening around us, sometimes that's the most difficult time to engage in the Lord like that and live in that place of, like, Lord, what do you want to say to this guy right now? And so I asked for his license, and he doesn't have his license. Well, does that mean you don't have a license? Or does that mean it's a suspended license? Or does that mean 
You just don't have it with you, right? I said, well, give me your phone number. Now, you understand, someone can give you any phone number. So he gives me a phone number. So I pull up my phone and I call the number. Some lady answers. I hang up the phone. I said, try again. <laughs> I said, do you have your phone on you? He pulls it out. I said, okay, give me your number. So he gives me his number. And I get it. People can change their numbers and all that stuff, whatever. But anyway, I call him up. Okay, good, there. Now you got my number. I got your number. I took a picture of his registration, blah, blah, blah. On and on it goes. But all of a sudden, in my heart, I had such compassion and love for this guy. And I'm like, really? In the natural? Like, really? And, uh, and I thought, man, this, and he's just a young kid, eh? And I got, the Lord started speaking to me about his scenario, a situation he was in. And um, my heart literally just kind of melted for this young kid. Like, what a bummer day. Now he's got a hole in his bumper in his boss's vehicle and, you know, all this stuff. So I got home. I said, uh, he texted me. He says, hey, he said, uh, how's the damage? And so I said, I haven't looked at it yet, but I'm sure it's all good. I said, you know, keep your chin up. Don't, you know, just take it easy. So then we went back and forth a little bit. He sent me a picture of his license and whatnot. And um, he'd been having a bad day. But we had this dialogue on text then when I was home and he was wherever he was. This dialogue on text. And instead of bumping up against some Christian that was full of poison and anger and whatnot, uh, he actually experienced grace and forgiveness and love. And, and, it was, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, my, I, my heart is for this guy. And so as the Lord leads, we'll follow up with them as the Lord leads and we'll, and we'll, because I believe that, you know, nothing happens by coincidence. Do y'all believe that? The word coincidence, you won't find it in the Bible. You won't find it in any original language, Hebrew especially. You won't see it in Hebrew, coincidence. So my point is this, so um, as, as partakers of this glorious covenant, this union with the Lord, Christians should be the most joyful, loving, lovely people on the planet. So then why don't we just start with this right here, okay? Let's not, let's, not even talk about, let's not even talk about those people that don't know the Lord yet, but why don't we just, for a starting point, why don't we just start with our family? Like your immediate flesh and blood family, your, your, your kids, your wife, your, your, your husband, your, your nieces, nephews, whatever. Like let's just start there, right? And let it go from there. And then we can go into the world and start, you know. The problem is, is that, um, well, we, that's, a, that's okay. We, i got to stick to stay focused here. I feel like i got so much I want to share, but anyway. So because of this union, I just want to rattle our minds. Like, do, you, do we believe that, that we're in him and he's in us? Like, I'm going to read some scripture on it later. So if you don't have that revelation yet, I believe it's going to come. So do we believe that Jesus paid for it all? Do we believe that he's blessed us with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly realm in Christ Jesus? Okay. Do we believe that his kingdom is now, but it is still coming? I mean, it's, it's already, but it's not yet, but it's here now, right? There's a, like, his kingdom's here right now. We have access. In fact, up until now, there has not been one greater than this man, Jesus said about John the Baptist. But then he said this. He said, but the least in the kingdom will be greater than him. So up until now, you can read it in John, John, da, 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 three, thank you. And he, he says, up until now, all the prophets, all the crazy, wonderful people, Old Testament, everyone that's been on the face of the earth until now, there's not one greater than, than this guy, John the Baptist, right here. Wow, that says a lot. Think of all the patriarchs. Think about, like, like the blessing of Abraham. And he's saying, not one greater than John the Baptist. And then he says this, and he says, but guess what? Even the least in the kingdom will be greater than him. Because up until then, see, John didn't have the unlimited supply of Holy Spirit operating in his life. But now that we're here, we have the access to the unlimited supply of Holy Spirit. Heaven's supply. We've said this, things like this. We don't say things like, Lord, open up the heavens. Because the heavens are open. They never closed. Jesus' baptism, heavens were torn open. They haven't closed since then. Okay? But I want to even push it a little more for stuff. Uh, like for, for things that might rattle you a little bit. How about this one? I'm not pressing in for more because I've been pressed into the more. I, 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 like, like there's so much in our vocabulary, and I'm, I'm pointing to me here, but there's so much in my vocabulary that frames up a separation mindset that God is off somewhere far away and I need to 
by my own human effort, I can pull them in here and eh, like this. But we're missing the whole point of communion, this common union, this, this koinonia, this fellowship, this oneness. We're missing the point of it if we're thinking we got to reach for something that we already have. I, I said this years ago. I said too many people are trying to become somebody they already are. And then on the flip side, too many people are trying to become somebody God never called them to be. It's okay to be comfortable in your own skin, you know. I'm so happy that God made me the way he made me. I'm so happy that I was created in his image. Come on, come on. I'm so happy that there's only one of me. I'm so happy I'm, a, I'm an original. I'm so happy I'm so full of joy that he loves me more than anything else in the world. I'm just like, yeah, woohoo, 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 woohoo. But if you don't have that revelation... How are you going to love your neighbor as you love yourself? What kind of love will that look like if you love your, you say, it says, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, if you hate yourself, dear God, please don't share that love with your neighbor. So there's this union that we've been pressed into. Ha! Here's a few more. I'm not contending for because I've been contended for. Now, don't get me wrong, because I know I can. I I I I I know this is the case. It's like, well, what are you saying? Are you saying we don't need to, we don't need to press in? Well, you might need to take thought captive and and do these kind of things and stuff like that. But in terms of pressing in and striving for something you already have, that's not his game plan. Some of you've been so hard on yourselves. Well, I'm not doing enough. I'm not, uh, should, I know this is probably happening because I haven't done this or I haven't done that or I this or that or, you know. That, that's not, you're in. Just nudge your neighbor and say, you're in. You're in. Now, you better ask him, have you, like, I'm pretty sure that we all are born again here this morning, but maybe you need to clarify that. But if you're not in, you can be in, okay? You're included. Because Jesus is the door, Jesus is the gate, Jesus is the way. You come in through him, and I'm in, and he's in me, and I'm in him. What would it look like if we walked through life with that revelation that we have this common union with him everywhere we go, every place we go into? So if I house God and God houses me, every time I come into a dark situation, what's going to happen to the darkness in that place? The light always expels darkness. So if that's the case, Pastor Trevor, why then do bad things happen and why do not everyone doesn't get healed and not everyone blah, blah, blah? For me personally, I've made it my goal to lean into him. I'm already in him, but to be aware of my in him that I am already in. As I, as I walk in the revelation of that, I see the fruit falling out of my life. I, I, see, I see this. I see, as I commune with him, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And as I sit and commune with him, he goes through these things. You can read it in Psalm 23. It's such a beautiful picture of communion in the Lord, an experiential communion in the Lord. And then it says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. There's a, there's a goodness train coming behind T-Dog. There's a mercy train coming behind T-Dog, you know? And then you look at Mark 16. It says, these signs will follow those that believe. Not those that have a theological degree. Those that believe. Those that are living in the awareness of who they are and whose they are and where they are. These things will follow them. In, in my name... In the name, you'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. In my name, you'll cast out demons. In my name, in my name, in my name. All these things, right? And so, I'm just going to keep on resting in him until I see more of those things happening, you know? In fact, when, I, when, I, when, I'm, when I'm believing for something to manifest, 
whether it be healing or whether it be, you know, deliverance or what situations, whatever. If I don't see the breakthrough that I'm believing for, my experience doesn't change my theology. Because my theology is not based on my experience. My theology is based on God himself as a person, Jesus. He's perfect theology, okay? My experience doesn't rattle or shake. I, I, you know, and I'm not saying that we don't go through this process. I mean, it's so good to have Mary here with us this morning. Good to see you. Mary from Paraguay. We, we prayed with and contended for her husband, the, do, the doctor. You all know that? You, you remember this? Well, this is Mary. So make sure you say hi to her after the meeting. And um, we prayed, and, and, and there I said it again, didn't I? I said I, we contended for. See how hard this is? Now, in my heart, I didn't strive in the flesh, so I'm okay with that. Okay. Anyway, but we, we, we you know, we held that in our hearts, that he would be healed this side of eternity, Right? But yet it didn't happen this side of eternity. But because of our foundation on the word of God and on the nature of God, we know that God's will is good. He's in a good mood. In fact, right now, he's in heaven in the experiential, like, resurrected body with the Lord. Ah, wow, you know what I'm saying? But it doesn't change the fact that, that sorrow and, and hurt and pain comes. But Jesus did say something about that, didn't he? He said, in this world... You will have persecution, you will have trial, you'll have problems, but rejoice, for I have overcome the world. So I do know this, if I want to overcome things, I need, I, need to, I need to live in the awareness of where I'm seated. I am seated in that realm of overcoming. Okay, anyway, so, huh. how about this one? Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't come in portions. He's a person. So I used to pray a lot, you know, like more Lord, like we'll pray for somebody, Lord, like more of you and more of you and more of you. But actually, if you really, really break that down, um, you've got all of the more, the most, the overflow right now inside of you. Like, like you've got it all. So when I pray now, and if I, if I say, you know, more Lord, what I'm, what I'm saying is I lay hands on somebody and say, more Lord, I'm not saying... Um, <laughs> I'm not saying, I'm not saying, you know, God, there's, there's, she doesn't have all of you. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying more, Lord, like, yeah, Lord, let her walk in the awareness of, more awareness of who she really is in you. And not only that, but more awareness that, you know, when I'm saying that more, Lord, I'm not saying, God, I want more from you. I'm saying, I want you to have more of me, like me, the awareness of that. I already know he has all of me, okay? And we're going to get to that in a second. Okay, those are just some rambling thoughts. It's the new covenant, Jesus said. The new covenant is in my blood, and you drink it. Huh. And what was the representation of his blood? Wine. Let's just throw this out there for a minute. We're going to do, we're going to, we're going to experience communion a little differently today because I was reminded, well, let's look here. Let's take your Bibles to John. And um, uh, John chapter 2. It's a prophetic picture, John chapter 2, Jesus' first miracle. What was Jesus' first miracle? turning water into wine. Ah, okay, let's read about it. Now on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus was also invited with his disciples to the wedding. And when the wine was all gone, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no more wine. See, you need to understand, the custom in that day would be, the wedding celebration would take place, and they would, they would, they would fellowship, they would have they would commune with one another. It was like a party. There, was, it was, there were days of a party. It wasn't just like, let's go eat a meal and go home. It wasn't like, oh man, how many more speeches are in this, you know, rehearse, or this uh, reception? Y'all know that you've been there, you're at a wedding, and it's like, oh, man, like, how, look at the size of the bridal party, and if everyone's going to give a speech, how late are we going to be here? 
no, no, it, was, it wasn't like that. That wasn't their custom. Their custom was, we're here to celebrate this union. We're going to celebrate with them. We're going to enjoy each other's company. We're going we're gonna to enjoy wine. We're going to enjoy food. This is amazing. And it would just go on and on and on and on. So this goes on. But as a host of this party, if you were to ever run out of food or out of wine, that was an utter disgrace. It was like, it was just very, very poor. And so what happened was, he goes to Jesus, and there were six water pots of stone standing there as the Jewish custom for purification, ceremonial washing demanded, holding 20 to 30 gallons apiece. So what's that, like between 150 and 180 gallons? Okay? Keep that in mind. So Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. So they filled them up to the brim. Then he asked them, he said, draw out now and take, take it to the manager of the feast. When the manager tasted the water, just, uh, and then when the manager, verse number nine, when the manager tasted the water, just now turned into wine, not knowing where it came from, though the servants had, uh, who had drawn the water knew, he called the bridegroom. And he said to him, everyone else serves the best wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then he serves the wine that's not so good, but you've kept back the good wine until now. And this is the first of his signs of his miracles he performed in Cana Galilee. So let's just pause for a second. Um, Jesus talks about the new covenant. It's in my blood. It's my wine. It's, it's the wine. It's the, it's the drink. It's to be enjoyed. Now, prophetically speaking, if you look at this, Jesus' first miracle was to turn some bland water into some delicious wine. What does that say about what he has for us? Not only that, on the, on the, if you do the math on it as to, historians will tell us, I forget the number of how many guests were there, but the number, what it was, was once, once they drank, the reason he says that, he says once, see, once people drink a certain amount of wine, Wine just tastes like wine. Okay? Y'all looking at me like I have six heads. All right? And so, so but, but then in this case here, as Jesus touches the water and it turns it into wine, they taste it and they're going, how is this possible? This is actually better wine than we had the good wine at first. This is even better. The old covenant was okay, But this covenant is so much better. So he serves it to them. 1.6 liters per person. Yeah, but don't be drunk. Don't, Don't be drunk with wine. Whereas in excess, which leads to debauchery, but instead be being filled with Holy Spirit. That verse has kind of been blown out of the water over the years. Because people would use it as a, as a, as a stick of like, you shouldn't drink, you shouldn't drink wine because you get drunk and then it's bad and da-da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da. And um, I'll just put it out like this. Nothing in life should be your source of bliss and sweetness, and enjoyment. Because I get this. I'm, I'm, here's the thing. I get this. There are people that, are, that, are, that had a, uh, alcohol issues in the, in the past. There are people, we have people in our church that previously they were addicted to alcohol or substance, right? Which, which I firmly believe is not right. It's not good, okay? But I do believe this, that he's not saying... He's not making the issue in Ephesians where he says, do not be drunk with wine, whereas in excess it leads to debauchery or all kinds of dirty stuff, but instead be filled. He's saying the source of bliss and fulfillment and contentment in your life should not be found in a glass of wine, nor should it be found in a Big Mac hamburger, nor should it be found in eating a bunch of food that, that you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, if we're going to really lump it all together and it just, this is just about this, we're missing the point. It's about something. It's about the source. And my point is this. 
the new covenant in his blood, the wine, is to be drunk. I'm talking about the wine of Jesus. He's the new wine. He's the new life. And as you drink him in, your, your awareness of the union in him, it's a glorious, blissful, beautiful, happy, 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 joy-filled, blissful connection, covenant. All right? That's what I'm saying. But, but let's just look at this picture. It, it's funny because I was, I was convicted, actually, when I was meditating on communion and this sort of thing, I was, I was convicted of this because I, I think it was last week I said to Jen, I said, hey, Jen, do we have any of the, the, the wafers and the cups and stuff? Because we're going to, we're going to, that time I said receive communion, but today we're going to experience communion. And I said, um, do we have the, and, and she, and actually Ken said to me, maybe we should do, would you, would you want to do like bread and grape juice and stuff like that? And I said, no, no, we have the cups, that's Okay. Well, as I'm driving here this morning, and I'm thinking about this John chapter 2, I'm looking at this, how Jesus' heart toward communion. Because I'm, today I'm talking about the covenant meal. One of the last steps in the covenant process was the covenant meal. And so you see it celebrated. We celebrate it today in our culture. You have a wedding, there's vows, there's rings exchanged, da-da-da-da, all these different things. And then there's the covenant meal, the celebration meal. Communion is the covenant meal. We celebrate communion. It's not just a, a sacrament of the Holy Church. It's a, it's a celebration of the life and the union that we have in his body and in his blood. That's what it is. Wow. And so I'm driving here this morning, and I call in, and I said, Actually, could we get a bunch of grape juice and a bunch of buns and bread? Because when Jesus turned the water to wine, it wasn't just, well, here's now a thimbleful representing my blood, and here's a wafer representing this. It wasn't like that. That's not The whole purpose of this series is to get us to engage God and say, Lord, I believe you for the promises that you have over my life, as big as they are. I'm believing you for the fulfillment of the word that you spoke over me. Ha! I'm believing you for everything that you ever promised in the book to me personally, everything. I'm believing for everything. And so I'm going to celebrate it in Jesus' name. And it's not just like... No, 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 no. In fact, this morning, when we experience communion, guess what? We have enough grapefruit juice... We have enough grapefruit juice representing the wine. We have enough grapefruit juice that you can drink three or four glasses if you want. Because the promise over your life and his covenant promise is not a stingy little thimble full of blood and a little wafer. It's an abundant. They that, they, they, you'll feast on the abundance of my house and you'll drink from my river of pleasures. It's not a lack, it's an abundance I think, some, I think some believers are, are grumpy because they're hungry. They're like, hey, they're hangry, you know, they're hangry. In the natural, I get sometimes get hangry, you know. Mel will say, hon, I think you need to eat something. But guess what? This, this invitation, so the last step of the, of, the, of, the, of the ceremony of covenant, where they sit down and they dine together, and then they break bread and they drink wine, and they'd celebrate the vows. They'd celebrate the promises. They'd celebrate the provision. They'd celebrate everything that was offered in that covenant. So when we receive communion, you know, Paul talks about, about remembering and, and you're remembering the Lord's death until he comes. He wasn't saying that so that you'd say, oh, Jesus, you suffered so much. See, what happens every time you receive communion or you did receive communion and you're meditating on, and I get that, I, I, I get it. We, 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 we do the... We honor the past, but we celebrate the present and the future. And in that, the Jesus that you serve, the now reigning Jesus, the line of the tribe of Judah, who roars victory over your life, that Jesus is not the whip Jesus on the cross. That Jesus has ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. In fact, you have joint seating with him. So, so you've got to choose. When I receive and experience communion now, I celebrate and I drink it in. I'm not having pity on a Jesus who died on the cross. I'm celebrating the leader and the charge chief on my, in my life, the one who I'm in and he's in me. I celebrate that life, the resurrected Jesus, the soon coming King Jesus. That's who I celebrate. And I'm firmly believing that if we live on the right side of the cross, we'll see a lot more fruit in our lives. 
All right. Okay, let's do this. Let's go to Romans chapter 6. Is everybody okay? See, (laughs) I might have even said it earlier in the series. I'm not sure, but I think I did. Maybe I need to repent for that. Jesus didn't just fulfill your side of the covenant as the Son of Man. Jesus is your side of the covenant. So this, this whole concept of the reality of our common union, our oneness, our union, our fellowship with him, this whole, this whole concept, this, this truth, should we choose to accept this mission? Shame has no place there. Striving has no place there. Grumbling, bickering, what, like you name all the stuff, it, it has no place there. Like it, it's, it's like, but I'm convinced that because we don't have, you know, there are tools that we use to help us get to that place of revelation. One is healing of the heart, restoring the foundations, all that kind of stuff. But I just want to say this, I'll put it out there. I might, you know, if, if we all were able to, I shouldn't, let me rephrase that. If we all lived in the revelation of where we are in him and, and enjoying this and drinking the wine on a continual, continual basis, um, we wouldn't need all these things. <laughs> like, it's as simple as when I'm, when I'm not in the awareness of it and I'm like, oh, that person rejected me. Oh, oh, and we take on rejection and stuff. It's as simple as, Oh, I got to get in. There, it's all better. It's interesting, though, you know, it talks about, we do talk about drinking and all that kind of stuff. But there's even, this even goes beyond drinking. Like, I'm talking about drinking in him, you know. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are thirsty. Who's through or thirsty? Come to me and I'll drink. Drink, have a drink. Drink from me. You know He's the well. He's the source. But guess what? Then, then when we get born again, then he says, "But actually, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water." So you go from needing a drink to becoming the source. That's why I like Ben. Ben will will come up, I don't know if he's ever done this to you, but he'll come up to me on on frequent occasion, and I'll put my arm around him, and he'll just go like this. He'll take his cup, and he'll go like this, and he'll go. (laughs) Now, some people might say that and go, oh, I don't know about that. What's that all about? But what he's doing is he's drinking from the source of Jesus that I carry. That's what he's doing, you know? And guess what? The source of Jesus you carry might taste a little bit different than the source I carry, but it's all from the same stream, the same river. It's just colored with their own personality. I'm not making a theology out of that. I'm just kind of throwing it out there, okay? So anyway, anyway. For example, if in your life you're believing for a breakthrough in a certain area, then why don't you join yourself up with someone who's experienced a breakthrough in that area? And drink from their well for a while. Now, I know it's just a prophetic picture, like doing this, but do you understand what I'm saying? That's why the covenant goes beyond just our covenant with him, but it even gets into our covenant with one another. So we need to understand our covenant with him if we're going to even get into the one another's and experience covenant with one another. Some people base your relationship on him the way you're treated by other people. You can't do that. Because you'd be disappointed all the time. I'll disappoint. I, I tell people that all the time. Hey, just so you know, I think I told you guys when we first met. Hey, just so you know, we're going to disappoint you somewhere along the line, you know? 
And I'm not speaking out curses or anything like that. I'm just saying the reality is I'm not living in the full awareness of who I really am yet. I'm learning and I'm growing more and more and more. But it doesn't change the fact that I already am in him and he's in me. It's just me living it out. That's the issue, right? So anyway, all right. Woo! Okay, Romans chapter 6. Where are we here? All right. I want to read it in... um, Yeah, come on. That's so good. Let's do this. I'm just going to read it in the mirror translation. It's it's just colorful. You can follow along in your your Bible, your translation, whatever it may be. Romans chapter 6. Verse number 1. It's not possible to interpret grace as a cheap excuse to continue to sin. It sounds like some, it sounds to some that we're saying, let's carry on sinning so that grace may abound. How ridiculous is that? How can we be dead and alive to sin at the same time? What we are saying then in baptism, if we're not declaring that we understand our union with Christ in his death, baptism pictures how we were co-buried together with Christ in his death, then it powerfully illustrates how in God's mind we were also co-raised with Christ into a new lifestyle. We were like seeds planted together in the same soil. To be co-quickened to life, if we were included in his death, we were equally included in his resurrection. We perceive that our old lifestyle was co-crucified together with him. This concludes that the vehicle that accommodated sin in us was scrapped and rendered entirely useless. Wow, this should set somebody free. I, I, this, when I was reading this earlier, I was just praying that. I'm like, Lord, set people free. Set people free. Set people free from their mindset. What he's saying here, in your translation, you can read it there on your own, but what it's saying is that old man, the old nature, listen, you weren't the thief beside Jesus on the cross. You were Jesus on the cross. Your death was, his death was your death. I was in him there, and he was in me there. It was like, he didn't just represent me, he was me on the cross. My death, his death, my death. His burial, my burial. His resurrection, my resurrection. Like, let that penny drop in your life. Wow. We perceive, verse 6, that our old lifestyle was co-crucified with him. This concludes that the vehicle... Oh, I read that already, but I need to use it again. Oh, no. So, yeah, this, this, this concludes that the vehicle that accommodated sin in us was scrapped and rendered entirely useless... Our slavery to sin has come to an end. If nothing else stops you from doing something wrong, death certainly does. Faith sees us joined in his death and alive in him in his resurrection. It's plain for all to see that death has lost its dominion over Christ in his resurrection. He need not point, he need not die again to prove a further point. His appointment with death was a once off. As far as sin is concerned, he's dead. The reason for his death was to take away the sin of the world. His life now exhibits our union and the life in God. Hmm. Verse 11, this reasoning is equally relevant to you. Calculate the cross. There can only be one logical conclusion. He died our death. That means you died to sin. And you're now alive in God. Sin consciousness can never again feature in your future. (laughs) Are you saying that that you never sin? I'm not saying that. But he's saying you don't have to. What? What? We're not sinners saved by grace. We're saints who sometimes might sin. And instead of when you do sin, if you do sin, let me rephrase that, if you do sin, don't keep on beating yourself across the back trying to magnify your, what you think is separation from God. Like, don't try to beat yourself like you need to pay a price because what you're doing is you're disgracing the cross when you stay in shame and guilt. It disgraces the cross. He did it once and for all. And so when you do, if you do, let me rephrase that. I got, see, I got a lot of vocabulary. Too. If you do sin, 
at that moment in time, make it right, just step right back in and be like, okay, I'm aware of where I really am and I receive that cleansing right now. Thank you, Jesus. You don't have to pay a, 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 you know, a penance to get back into that right standing with God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay. All right. Let's, uh, let's bring it in for a landing. Verse 12, you're, you're, you're under no obligation to sin. It has no further rights to dominate your dead bo- declared body. Therefore, let it not entice you to obey its lusts. Isn't that good? Your union with his death broke the association with sin. All right. How many were born in Canada? How many were not born in Canada? What country were you born in? Shout them out. America, U.S., Paraguay, 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 Paraguay. Wow, we got it. This is awesome. Ghana, U.S., Germany, Nigeria, China. So, Philippines. So, where else? Did I miss somebody? China? Come on. So when you're born in a country, you're born into that country, whether it be China, you're Chinese. Okay? When you're born in Paraguay, you're Paraguayan. Now you can get dual citizenship and that sort of thing and go to another country and all that kind of thing. But the point is this. I'm Canadian. I'm not becoming Canadian. I am Canadian. I'll let, I'll, let, I'll let you just think about that for a second, okay? I'm just, I'm just, this, this experience of communion in him, well, I believe, I pray would bring us a revelation that we already are who he says we are. We're not trying to become someone he already said we are. In him, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am. So let's live out of that, yeah? You know, people, when I, when I talk about this, you know, this whole sin thing and stuff, you'll hear the, the thing, you know, somebody will say, well, you know what, you're, you're always going to struggle with sin. Well, give me the verse for that in the Bible. Like, so be it according to your faith. I want to, I wanna, in my faith, I want to align myself with who he says that I am so I can live the fruit and have the fruit in my life of what he says I can have. Right? And it's, it's a simple thing. It really is. Hmm. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. 